My name is Matt Brown. Anybody who's watching that Nickelodeon for the game needs their head examined. And let's start the show. Uh, oh, where's the last guy? Where's the dude that was crying at the age? Y'all deserve better. <laughs> Oh, show them all. Show them. Hold on. Let's take a moment, y'all. Oh, let's take a moment. Let, let's watch this. There he is. There he is. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, January 19th. 2022, and we have a stellar NFL postseason show for you. I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our exclusive content on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So it's been a week. It's been a crazy, stellar, all over the place week and weekend, at least here in the Northeast from insane snowstorms to slippery conditions to people, you know, messing around and whatever. And also you just have people doing their thing in general as this world is one crazy place to get through. You know, I went to this party on Saturday and of course I was socially, being socially responsible with the people I was with. The benefits of being a fully vaccinated and boosted individual and it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. It was in Brooklyn. I saw a lot of old friends from college. You know, I saw the great Justin Riley, who was on the show before. Um, you know, we're celebrating someone's birthday, and it was fly. And hear this. So, yes, I'm on my own, still getting used to it, still grinding, driving Uber as I apply to other jobs and do this show. So I don't have a lot of money, but, you know, you try to grind. And I'm told just a few just two days before the party yeah this party is a, has a dress code and it's red black and white so you know my brother brendan who's been on this show a couple of times a great brendan st brown i asked him can you please bring my black blazer with me and slacks and then you can bring my white suit which i have and then uh this beige suit i also have he brings the jacket but no slacks I learned that this really is the grind of being young and on your own. In New Jersey, there's so many thrift shops. I can't even tell you the ones we went to, but all over the place. And you know, I actually, we went to this uh, thrift shop in Elizabeth and I got a perfect pair of slacks that fit me and you know it does accommodate the few pounds I gained since moving here but back to the gym and on that grind but I had a perfect fit slacks all you had to do was iron it and you know if you could wash or uh, if you could have gotten to a uh, dry cleaner it'd probably be good to wash it but um you know they look clean we ironed them and we trusted and we made it had a stellar night uh drank a lot responsibly uh had a lot of fun as i was saying and we got home so late that we tried to go to mcdonald's and they were only serving breakfast it was like six in the morning oh it was one of those kind of nights but it was surely epic and you know what they say you don't have a lot of memories of you staying in that night so very good weekend 
On top of that, I was able to watch every single playoff game, the game, the two games on Saturday, the three on Sunday, and then the game on Monday. And the NFL postseason was off to a great start. We we had blowouts, we had nail biters, we saw players on their way to being pretty significant and great. Good Debo Samuel, for instance. Then we see players who have so much potential, but in this instance, they came up short in the playoffs and in a really bad way, Kyler Murray. And in between all those games, we just had a lot of fun. We were, you know, was this the greatest wildcard weekend of all time? In terms of play and skill, no, not really, but... You know, just it was nice seeing playoff football. I mean, it's just like pizza and sex. Even if it's decent, it's pretty good, right? So that's what all I got to say about that. And, you know, let me just turn it over to the best crew in the game, the Productive Conversations NFL crew. Let's reflect on the crazy games that happened in the wild on the Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's talk about the games coming up this weekend. You know what they say, the divisional round is when we see the very best football taking place. Right here, right now, we have the division winners now coming in of the and the other teams who survived the wild card game. I mean, we're going to see Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Debo Samuel again. As you know, the list can go on and on. So let's look at the good and bad things that took place this past weekend. Let's see the future first and preview the matchups going into this weekend. We have Alex Ranelio, Brian McKeon, and Tommy Brown back with me to break down the amazing thing known as the NFL Divisional Round Weekend. So let's get to it. Brian, Alex, and Tommy, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's open a cold one and sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation right here, right now. This is a very productive conversation. matchups ahead i think that's the case after a stellar super wild card weekend we have an even more stellar divisional round weekend ahead so to talk about the big headlines where we had nail biters and blowouts and players showing their worth players underachieving and we've seen even players getting slimed a lot happened over the past well, a lot happened this past weekend, I should say, and I think a lot more is about to happen this upcoming weekend. So to review uh, this past Super Wild Card weekend and to preview the divisional weekend, I have the best of the best in the productive NFL crew. First, Brian McKeon is back. What's going on, Brian? Can't complain, you know. It's a sad cowboy fan right now. It's really it. <laughs> oh, we will deep dive into that. Don't you worry. Tommy Brown's in the building. What's up, Tommy? What's up, man? What's up, guys? Happy to be back. It was a really good wild card weekend we had. No doubt. 
we got a lot to dive into that and take take it all in. And then last but not least, Alex Renelio's here in his first. I don't. I think it's his first time without a hat on the show. So how about that? <laughs> yeah, just letting it fly tonight. Nah, I'm mm-hmm. feeling the pain that Bri- I'm feeling the pain that Brian's feeling. But um, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to him for um, shout out to him for changing the tides and getting a little ink. I see. So yeah, congrats. congrats. Thank, yes. Thank you. Congratulations, Brian. You just got a new tattoo. You can follow him at uh, what is your Instagram, Brian? Uh, at Brian McEwen94. Okay. It, we'll leave that a mystery where he got his <laughs> ink. So, was that your first? Uh, it's my second one. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And hopefully, many more to come from there. So, let's now ink in to this stellar weekend we had of football. Where do I start? Who should I patronize first? Who should I upset of our two um, of two of our guests who are legit fans of the two team of two teams who are in this playoffs and who are no longer there. So let's start with the first game of the wild, super wild card weekend, the Raiders. We had the Cincinnati Bay, the Cincinnati. Wow. Excuse me. Where the Cincinnati Bengals defeats the Las Vegas Raiders by a score to 26 to 19, a true nail biter to the end. Probably the most competitive game from the six that were played over the weekend. I mean, from stuff like Vegas killing themselves in penalties. Derek Carr was so close to making an epic fourth quarter comeback and I think could add his legitimacy to the league, but came up short. We obviously know that the officials sadly played a huge part in this game. And most notably when the Bengals scored a touchdown, despite a whistle being blown in the middle of the play, we saw Joe Burrow throw to Tyler Boyd and they still count that touchdown anyways. So a lot to soak in. So I'll just leave it to Alex. Just tell us how are you feeling after a difficult loss after quite the roller coaster season your Las Vegas Raiders team had? Oh man, it was tough. It was tough to start off the weekend that way, but um, no, I mean, in some respect, we deserved it. In some respects, we got robbed. Like I understand the penalties, like just completely cutting ourselves off the kneecaps, like that offensive line all year was having trouble, um, you know, being in lockstep, you know, Leatherwood was a, was a rookie and he was trying to get assimilated. So they were shifting him, you know, all along, uh, the offensive mm-hmm. line, and he really showed his his missteps on Saturday. But, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to talk, you know, out of both sides of my mouth. Like, I was always brought up in sports, like, you play beyond the whistle. You play till the end of the play. But I also mm-hmm. understand, like, when there's a whistle, the ball is dead. And that, that definitely cost them um, part of the game. I mean, they had, you know, an entire second half to make up for it, but it definitely was a demoralizing blow. Um, when I look back at the game, I mean, you know, people forget like that was Carr's first playoff game in his career in eight years. So that was pretty impressive from my perspective. Um, you know, 25 to 54, 310 with one touchdown, only one pick. Um, I think there was a couple times when he took undue sacks that he could have just thrown the ball away, but that's kind of been the trend throughout the season. Um, I think the key to the game was Renfro. He didn't really quite get going like I had hoped, um, for my team to do. 
eight for 58 was just not enough. And, you know, Jacobs with 83 on the, on the ground, they established a nice running game throughout the game to keep them, you know, going into the fourth quarter, nice and tight with uh, Cincinnati, but it just wasn't enough. I think our corners were really overplayed with Jamar chase and um, Uzama, the tight end. I think he had a really nice game six for 64, but um, no, I mean, Cincinnati, you know, all the credit in the world, they deserved it and they're moving on for a reason. So well, you know, at least he made the playoffs heads up high. And in such a competitive division, you were able to, you know, sneak one in there. Now, I guess, you know, the other thing to talk about with you and your team, especially, is where do we go from here? Now, just today, the Raiders fired Mike Mayock, the GM, yeah. who, you know, I thought, was good at steering the ship with the dysfunction that was taking place and still keeping the team competitive. And now we have to see what's going on with the head coach. And I have to ask Alex, where do you think this is going? And is it also the way you want it to go? And like I said, is um, uh, Rich Passaccia going to be staying or going? Well, first two things. I mean, um, when you asked me on the topic of, whether I think things have been going the right direction or not. I, unfortunately, I felt like Mayock didn't really quite get a, uh, a fair chance at doing his job because he was brought in as being a draft analyst from years past on ESPN. And he was kind of meant to be the ta- the dual tandem with Gruden to be kind of the draft analyst getting better quality out of their picks moving forward with the Khalil Mack trade and the Mara Cooper trade. And a lot of those picks were just hit and miss year after year and they didn't quite pan out. And I felt that with Gruden having ultimate say, I don't think Mayock was fairly able to do his job. So I think firing him was kind of them saying that we're going to clean house and start fresh. So I kind of see Rich Bisaccia falling, you know, in line with that, you know, very soon. I think, you know, kudos, congrats to him on, you know, keeping this team afloat throughout the remainder of the season with everything they had to deal with, but they need a guy who is buttoned up, who is a relatable to players, who is young, who understands the game and, is going to bring a fresh face to that organization that desperately needs it. And he just wasn't buttoned up enough for me. I mean, he did a great job in the interim, but with all the penalties, they need a coach that they can believe in someone young, like a Tim Brown, who is an alumni of the team or like a a Jim Harbaugh or something like that. Something that's really going to inspire the guys. So with that said, you know, it just sucks for Mayock because I personally don't think he ever really got an opportunity to do his job at his full potential from the beginning, because of Gruden having ultimate say, even at a draft level, but, um, Bisaccia, it's one of those things too, where, you know, send him off with a nice handshake. Like we appreciate you, everything you've done, but, um, we're going to move on to someone younger and smarter and better. I hear that. And my last question for you, particularly with your team is Derek Carr. Is he going to be the quarterback next season? <laughs> that remains to be seen. I think it's going to come down to price point, what they want to pay and who's available. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson comes on the market, um, I think that regardless if they do or not, they're going to give him a short-term deal uh, if that's the case. But um, if those guys don't pan out and come to the organization, um, I think they'll probably sign him for a three, four year deal. Um, something that's manageable, something that's middle of the road below, you know, a franchise max, um, 
that they can work with um, in due time because he's serviceable. Like I've always been a car guy. I think he's limited, but he definitely steers the ship when it feels like it's gone down. And a lot of times it has with that organization. So I don't think there's any reason to dump him per se. I just think it depends on what his price point is. Hear that. You know, I thought at one point that this league was going to a much more mobile quarterback, but we've seen that they're not as durable and they are, um, you know, not as what they expect to be. Not everybody's in Mahomes. So that leaves the Derek Carr, you know, still in the pocket, uh, yeah. shotgun type of quarterback still in there, gives him a chance. And yeah, plenty of teams would love to take him. I even think as a Giants fan, it's worth the consideration. You know, he's serviceable. He's definitely a fringe top 15 type of quarterback, especially, you know, in his better years when he has adequate protection. But Mm -hmm. um, it just depends on price point for us. And I think that um, there's a lot to be said for the type of leadership he's brought to the team when they could have definitely gone, you know, into the shit heap, you know, third or fourth place year after year that they were able to avoid. Mm -hmm. Hear that. Hear that. Brian and Tommy, how did you guys feel about the game between the Bengals and the Raiders did you guys notice anything insane? Do you feel it was and will now be a fluke game because of the bad calls on the refs? Or, you know, how do you what what other thoughts do you guys have to add on to this? The uh, no, I, you go first. Uh I knew it was gonna be a close game coming into it. That was my pick. It was, I think I said within three or no that was my bad that was the uh cowboys 49ers game mm-hmm. but uh, i knew it was still gonna be a close game and it showed Carr did kind of put the team on his back towards the end of the game but it just wasn't enough for him and it was still a really good game though i enjoyed it i think the raiders did exactly what they had to do like i remember saying in the previous podcast they had to keep joe mixon under 100 yards they kept him under 50 yards um to not let Jamar Chase break out. He had 116 yards, which to be honest with you, that is keeping Jamar Chase on lock <laughs> because he's a top five receiver at this point. He didn't have a touchdown. So you kept him, you know, in the red zone, you didn't let him get that, get those targets that, uh, you know, he usually gets. Um, it just comes down to, you know, unlucky breaks and, like we know the weaknesses of the Raiders and it, it's right now it's the offensive line in the secondary and, on a team like the Bengals, they're, you know, when you lost a cornerback already, I think what they lost one or two cornerbacks this season. Wait. I'm trying to remember. All right, either one, the, one or two. To the Bengals or the Raiders? For the Raiders. Yeah, so we, we lost two corners. Um, but we had guys in and out of the lineup with Faison and Hobbs. Uh, Hobbs got a DOE, of course, like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, you know, it's, it's hard when you're going against probably the best you know, three, you know, the best combined receiving core in the league, I would say, besides like the, you know, the Rams, it's, it's, it's hard to do. And, you know, it comes down to unlucky break, but, you know, I think there's a lot of promise in Derek Carr, um, even though he is limited. I think that um, what other options you have right now as the Raiders, if you just think of free agency marketing, um, yeah, you're the Raiders, you have that, but you're the third, fourth best team every year in your division. And it's just how it's going to be. So there might be a team, you know, an Aaron Rodgers might not want to go there because it's going to be a little bit harder to get to the playoffs when, you know, you're up there in age, you know, in the NFL. So, you know, keep what I say, keep what you have and continue to build around him the correct way. All right. Yeah. And I guess the big question that will be seized, that will um, proceed this is, are they going to restart or are they going to take this chance and build around what you got so far? And 
yeah, I guess we'll see what happens in a few weeks with that. So the next game, now this is a game that every one of you picked wrong with the Bills and the Patriots. The Bills defeated the Patriots 47-17. How about that? A true slaughter of the Patriots defense. Five touchdowns for Josh Allen. I mean, when rushing was a key to victory for the Patriots in that classic Monday night game back in November, that was it. But this time, they had 89 yards on 20 carries as an entire team. Mac Jones did play well for in his first game. You know, had two touchdowns, but he also had two picks. And then again, just the embarrassment of the defense of the Patriots again was the real killer. And I guess some questions to soak in after the Patriots went ham this offseason, you know, pretty much get new tight ends. You go change that secondary a bunch. You obviously you get Mac Jones playing the quarter quarterback and a lot of changes took place, you know, picking up Nelson Aguilar and it leads to the Patriots losing in the divisional round now, sorry, losing in the wild card round now in their previous two playoff appearances, missing it last year. And then the year before losing the Tennessee and Brady's last game, throws the pick six to end his career in new England. I have to say this guys, I think you can make a case of the Patriot dynasty. You can officially say they're dead. Sure. They have Mac Jones and there could be a good future here, but you know, after winning that sixth Super Bowl three years ago or four years ago, winning the playoffs twice, and again lost in the wild card both rounds, with teams like the Buffalo Bills clearly the dominating the best team out of the AFC East. You have, I mean, you used you thought for a second the Dolphins were also a force to be reckoned with there, but you know they're a mess. And uh, but bottom line, it seems that this could be it. I mean. Bill's getting up there. I think he's 68, 69 years old. Not a lot of coaches coach past 70, except Pete Carroll. And he's on his way out anyways. I mean, why don't we just start with that question? After this truly embarrassing loss, they uh, there's a lot to be upset about out in New England. What do you guys think? Is the Patriots dynasty dead after this victory? I would say it definitely ended. Um, you know, the Bills now, they, that's their division. They have their, I would say they're probably one of the most well-balanced teams in the NFL right now. If you compare offense and defense, the defense is electric and is, I can, you know, there's a possibility to every position on offense or a pro bowl or their skills position um, from what, you know, all the way out for the number one receiver to their slot, their running backs. They're, they're very good. The tight end is good. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. You know, he's right now, he's playing like a top three quarterback. And I think the dynasty is over. I just don't see how they can compete with the bills right now, because if you really look at the bills, it's very homegrown right now. They're star mm-hmm. power, not as many free agent acquisitions besides Stefan Diggs and uh, Sanders. If mm-hmm. you take those two out of it. So you have guys on rookie contracts still on their defense, mainly that is playing lights out. And you're going to have this for the next few years. It will put together a team that has draft assets and cap space to continue to grow. And, you know, like I said, hopefully, you know, part of that part of that front office and Joe Schoen goes, joins us as he d- interviewed for the Giants job at a second interview today for a GM. But anyways, yeah, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head, Brian. 
you know, you know, the, the who once said, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Buffalo Bills are clearly the, the new boss in this and the Patriots after again, after completely reinventing, reinventing their lineup and roster, I, they, they feel this was, this was their chance to show that they were legit. And now, um, if it falls back on the backside, Alex, you said you got something first. Um, Tommy, what'd you think? Now I'll go. Oh, no, I, yeah, I think the, they're definitely not the team that we count them as a Super Bowl contenders every year. Definitely not. Um, I think the dynasty is over. But with that being said, I, this could very well be the uh, start of a new dynasty with the Bills. Them beating the mm-hmm. uh, Patriots could be that that new spark in that team that they could, they could be the next Patriots for the next 20 years. Hope not, but uh, that's something that mm-hmm. you know, to watch their team. They, they definitely a very uh, young and exciting team to watch for the years to come. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I'm definitely not seeing the same thing that you guys are seeing for the long-term or short-term future, like with the mm-hmm. Patriots in the relationship with the NFC, I mean, the AFC East, I mean, Yes, I agree that it's it's bills to lose for now, but we, we you guys know this league and you know these divisions. They turn over every other year. You know, guys go from four to one and one to four in their in their position. And I think that the way they're constructed, as long as McDaniel's um, and Belichick are there for the short term, I don't think that the dynasty is necessarily over. And I think that they still have the right ingredients to be any team and compete with a lot of, a lot of teams, which is a solid running game, no mistakes on, on, um, on special teams or defense, a really solid top 10 or at least top five, I mean, top five or at least top 10 defense. And we got to remember too, like Mac won 10 games and yeah, he was the most ready out of all the rookies, but he's just getting started. He just got his feet wet. So I'm very optimistic about this team, despite what people think about this team. And I think that it's just one play where Josh Allen gets hurt or Brian Dable leaves the organization, goes get a head coaching job. I think they're one big move like that away from being either the second or third best team in the league. And with Miami, there's a lot of questions in the air. So um, especially at quarterback. So I don't know where the perception is that the dynasty is necessarily over besides Belichick's you know, health and his age, but um, I don't quite see it that way. What could be that big move that Bill will go out to get to save that team once and for all? I mean, you said the running game could be one. This, this team historically, even throughout the dynasty, never had that true core running back to arguably what a Corey Dillon. So yeah. What could be that other factor after reinvent trying to reinvent the roster just a year ago? I think just getting at least another year and a half to two years of snaps under Mac Jones. I mean, guys usually don't pop till the third year, regardless of what their ceiling is. But I think that he's just going to get more efficient, smarter with the football, less turnovers. I mean, it was really the two interceptions that really killed him the other night. And um, I think that if he can reduce those turnovers and they've always been kind of running back by a committee. So I don't think necessarily it's a personnel issue. I think it's just about getting smarter with the football, having a little more development under Mac Jones that could take them from 10 wins to 12 wins. All right. All right. I hear you there. So the next game you have, the Eagles and the Bucks playing in Tampa, which leads to another blowout victory. The Bucks defeated the Eagles 31 to 15. Now, 
I think uh, just like their other Pennsylvanian NFL team, just on the NFC side of things, this Eagles team wasn't really looked on to be a big team to make an upset or a run. This team underachieved, you know, definitely the worst out of the division winners. And what did it lead to? And Jalen Hurts' his first game, he had a deer in the headlights worth awful play call in from the coaches. Just an embarrassing on both sides of the ball. And yeah, you just had Tom Brady being Tom Brady, uh, you know, having key passes to Gronk and Mike Evans was killing it. And, you know, it was just a classic Tom Brady beating up on a weaker team in his later career. And the Bucks defense was pretty stellar, even though 15 points was a bit much. I still, for an extremely stellar game, they were on point in this game. You know, got to Jalen Hurts often. You know, the secondary kept them, you know, afloat. I think this was an obvious choice from the start. But is there any other takeaways that you can see from this? Is this just like make, maybe this just shows that the Bucks maybe are legit, but again, a much weaker team? Um, or maybe the Eagles, maybe you think the Eagles have something that I'm not seeing. What do you guys take out of this game? Brady's definitely still braided, um, and the Bucks will be as good as Tom Brady could play and not be under duress and, you know, have protection. So it's going to come into play now in the next game if uh, Tristan Wirfs is healthy. Um, losing that right tackle, it's going to hurt the run game and also, you know, having his main uh, one of his best linemen for, linemen for protection. Um, on the Eagles standpoint, I just don't understand why you would give a mobile, mobile quarterback the ability to throw 43 passes. Mm-hmm against Tom Brady. Um, the way to beat Tom Brady is to not let him have the ball. When you have playing generational talent, you don't want them to have the ball. So why are you allowing Jalen Hurts to throw 43 times? And he threw 23 of 43. That is terrible. Mm-hmm. And he only had 17 carries rushing. And it does not make sense to me. They have a guy like Miles My- Sanders, who is a, in my eyes, I would say, not stats or what he's done so far, but actual potential and ability, probably a top 15 running back in the league for just potential for breakout plays. And he's not, he got, he got seven, seven carries, seven <laughs> carries for 16 yards. Like I would ask to get released after that <laughs> in my eyes. It does not make sense to me. I just, I think they need a new offensive coordinator. I think, you know, the Eagles always had a great defense and that's, you know, that's what kept him, you know, between 31 and 15 and not, you know, 54, nothing Yeah. at this point, but they just need, they need, they need to redo the offense. If it's building around hurt hurts, you have to get a, you know, a more dynamic offensive line that has the ability to do uh read option and is better at play action type of pass blocking. And you also need to develop another receiver besides Devonta Smith and having, you know, Dallas Goddard, you need a true second receiver. So that's going to be, you know, the big, um, I would say need an off season free agency. And I wouldn't be shocked if they went after, um, you know, like a Michael Gallup, even though he tore his ACL um, on Dallas because they'll get him for a cheap deal or, you know, someone like that, a number two receiver from, you know, a stacked team that they just can't afford. They can take Kenny Galladay, even in the division. I'll <laughs> let that happen. But um, what do you guys have on to have on have have to add on to that? Uh, this is this is where uh, this game is what I kind of expected. Uh, just a big, just another Brady playoff win, and 
uh, the Eagles losing, which I'm pretty happy. But the Jalen Hurts, I'm not. I'm still not really sold on Jalen Hurts being the Eagles quarterback long term. He kind of had like a up and down roll closer season this year, and to bring him to the playoffs was good. But he didn't really look good to me in in that game. He did look like a deer in the headlights. Mm. So I'm I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts being the uh, Eagles quarterback long term. Yeah, I got my questions and reservations about Jalen Hurts, but I my biggest takeaway, I mean, yeah, I expected a Brady route in the first round as usual with him, but I thought this game was more of an indictment on the offensive coaching staff for the Eagles because I think that the only shot we had for them to make this a ball game was Philadelphia's running game had to be stellar, had to keep them in the game, had to control the ball, keep Brady in the sideline. And not only did they not do that, they didn't even establish a running game. I mean, um, they, it, no running game to speak of. It was really just, it was really just embarrassing. And um, I thought the offensive coordinators were very unimaginative when it came to the passing game. A lot of three and outs were just due to um, just really simplistic, um, you know, screen passes and stuff behind uh, the line of scrimmage that really went nowhere. And it kept them, you know, it, it kept them in, um, you know, third and long situations the entire first half. And that was why they went scoreless till the fourth quarter. So I think it was more of an indictment on the coaching staff than Jalen Hurts per se, but I still have my questions about him too. Good stuff right there. Good stuff. Now this game that we're about to discuss is definitely one I'm really looking forward to speaking about. The most watched game here, it was the Nickelodeon game. And we had Brian's, Brian, your Cowboys lost 23-17 to in quite stellar fashion. I mean, where do we go from here? The 49ers are now 9-2 and in their last 11. You had the one of the worst coach games in NFL history in general. I mean, you know, the way they use Zeke more, they barely touch Tony Pollard. Like, what the hell's going on? You had Debo Samuel showing that he's one of the best receivers in the league, too. Uh, definitely a weekend for star receivers all across the board. And, you know, Jimmy G, you know, he almost fucked this up. Buddy wins again. There's anything about Jimmy G. He knows how to win football games. And uh, like I said, you know, Dak played horrible. Well, CeeDee Lamb only had a reception. And I mean, what the fuck is going through your head right now, Brian? It seems I saw this. This is the 11th straight playoff season in the postseason since your Super Bowl win. If you're Jerry Jones, you're probably freaking out. Will I get to see one more? What is going on? People really want Mike McCarthy out, but I heard the son, Stephen Jones, he said there's a great chance he's probably staying, though. But like I said, the floor is yours, Brian. Let us know how you feel after a very difficult loss, I'm sure, for your Cowboys. Well, if you remember, I did tell you that this was my biggest fear, and I told you that it was going to probably be a 49ers win in a close game just because of the lack of discipline of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And yet again, we have seen this time and time again, the Dallas Cowboys think that they are the greatest team 
ever, every year. And their arrogance is what kills them every year because they lack discipline. The amount of penalties, I think it was 14 penalties they had. This, right. it's, it's, ridiculous. it's just ridiculous. The offsides. And this is this isn't rookies. This is, you know, second, third year players, four, five year players in Randy Gregory. And they just don't make sense to me. Like, where is the accountability of on the coaching staff to go to the players and actually reprimand and teach discipline? Dan Quinn teaches discipline. Randy Gregory got kicked out that the next play and got sat on the bench for, for a drive after that. On offense, they don't usually do that because you can't pull an offensive lineman because the difference between a first string and a second string offensive lineman is completely different compared to rotational defensive ends mm-hmm. on you know, the defensive line. But where is the accountability? When are we going to finally realize that you know our ego is what's killing this team? Because right now we have technically the best team on paper in the league. For the last, I would say, five years, best star players every year. On both sides of the ball. On both sides of the ball. It's always been like that, but they can never get it together. I think we're finally seeing that, you know, I was never someone who liked Dak Prescott to be a $40 million man because I saw his limitations. And that is when he's under duress and he's not winning. He's, it's very hard for him to make the correct place. Also, I don't think he has the ability yet. Maybe it's just going to take a little more time for him to actually audible out of plays and go against sometimes coaches' rule, uh, coach, what the coach believes. Because in my eyes, I know for sure if Aaron Rodgers got a QB draw on the last play of the game, he would have looked to Matt LaFleur, flipped him the bird, and then would have went with a fade to Devontae Adams. That's 100% would have happened. Dak Prescott cannot get out of his, you know, own little, all right, we're going to follow this because that's what coach says. And I get it. He's a loyal guy, but there comes a point where you're, you're the player and you know, you know, you're a leader of the team. You have to sometimes say, Hey, this is not what I think that we should do. And that comes with experience. Brady controls and talk, you know, always used to talk with McDaniels and audible out and they would have disagreements on the sideline and stuff like that. Same thing with him and Arians. But guess what? You trust your quarterback and his experience. Um, I think Mike McCarthy needs to go. I don't think he knows how to actually, you know, <laughs> command a team. I think I, I was saying this even in hard knocks in the summertime that Dak Prescott and a lot of the leaders on the team just didn't look like they respected Mike McCarthy. And I think he's just a proxy for Jerry and Stephen Jones. Um, just a kind of yes man. Same thing with Jason Garrett. I don't think they really have had a legit coach since Parcells. Yeah, um, the analytics yeah. told us to play it this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that's what aggravates me. And I hope, I really hope Kellen Moore actually leaves because I really don't think he is that much of good of an offensive coordinator. I think it's very easy to, you know, luck out and call good plays when you have, you know, you could call average pay plays, but when you have that much talent, it's really easy to make, make an offensive coordinator look great when you have that much talent on your roster on the offensive side. Like the fact that CD Lamb had one catch blows my mind. And then you look at the run game. We know that Ezekiel Elliott has a partially torn PCL, they said, and he is getting 12 carries in the game, which was situational. Why isn't Tony Pollard getting the rock? Yeah, that was probably the biggest surprise coming out of this. Zeke, you barely used you barely used him in the second half of the season, and yet you know, I don't know. He must have had a good week of practice or something. But can't live another day with it, unfortunately. You know, Brian, I'm sure you guys seen that viral clip of Stephen A's 
rant on um yep on um <laughs> first take today and he said one of the funniest things he said this was the first time that a cowboy fan would usually say you know we're winning the super bowl next year and i didn't hear that this time are you, are you that I've kind never, of cowboy fan after this brian no nah, i've never been someone that always like i've always thought negative when the cowboys went into the playoffs because i've always just had this mindset as long as jerry jones is the owner and Stephen jones is the gm they're never actually going to progress because there is no there's no ability to have disagreements and actual communication when you have it's basically a monarchy in there and you can't do anything. You know, you can't, you know, you need a GM that isn't related to the owner. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Like they're making draft decisions over Sunday dinner. And in my <laughs> eyes, that's not the correct thing to do. They always go for Sooners. It's how they are because that's the college they like. And I mean, they go for, they go for the highlight real play. Like if Zach Morton didn't fall, we were going to get Johnny Manziel when we had Tony Romo, just because we wanted to sell Texas tickets. And he was a Texas boy. That's Jerry Jones. (laughs) That is the problem here. The problem is that Jerry Jones thinks that he is the Dallas Cowboys and he could do whatever he wants. Yep. Yeah. You pay all this money for an (laughs) offense, all this money for an offense. And you haven't realized that Tyron Smith probably is done. I think, I think that's the only next step. I mean, I agree with every word that came out of your mouth, Brian, and I feel your pain um, because you seem to be one of like the few cowboy fans that are realistic, that I can like, that I can tolerate. Um, Yeah. It's a, it's a complete family monarchy. And like until Jerry releases some kind of, um, you know, power to, you know, the next coach that can actually come in there and, and run things. Um, that's not just a puppet for them from, from the press box. Um, I don't see them moving forward anytime soon. Um, I, I would like to see Steven maybe take on more of the day-to-day ownership and operation roles. Um, but I don't know how much that's going to happen um, unless, you know, Jerry's health starts to decline precipitously, but yeah, they, you know, they, they need fresh blood in there. They need guys that are outside of that cowboy family, so to speak. Um, Because when your family, you you can be wrong a lot of times and and that organization masks that a lot. And I think that that's a reason that they're out of the, out in the first round, you know, year after year. Um, I think, I think they're really the, essentially they're wasting, you know, their, their, their playoff window right now by not, by having someone like Mike McCarthy in there because he's not going anywhere fast and he's had too many blunders throughout the season, just situational football, um, you know, poor in-game management and Kellen Moore calling the plays. It looks like there's a lot of tension on the sideline where they don't know what they're doing. I, the one thing that stuck out in my mind was when they had that, phenomenal um, fake punt play where the kicker um, threw it to the sideline and they just cut the, the camera crew cuts the sideline and everybody's in complete disarray and, and disorganization, which just goes to show that they're not prepared for even the most mm-hmm. brilliance um, that they can have in game. They're not ready and adapted for it, which is just, it's, it's tough to see because a lot of these players, you know, they're, they're, they're four fifth year guys, you know, they're in their prime and the team is waste, you know, is wasting their talent, you know, as we speak. Well, at least you guys got one thing correct, and that Dak won the MVP. <laughs> I mean, how, how like that? They, <laughs> Nickelodeon's a joke. <laughs> they really thought they'd get this. So they <laughs> go for the personalities. No one said kids were smart. <laughs> Tommy, do you have anything to add on with the Cowboys in this? And I, I, I figure we would focus on the 49ers more when we talk about their divisional matchup. Anything left on the Cowboys in this game in particular? 
No, I think they all they all said it. Um, I think one one thing that uh, Brian said was the word discipline. I think that was one big thing is that they weren't disciplined enough uh, on Sunday. If you look back at week one, they they went head to head with the Super Bowl defending champs, the Buccaneers, and everyone thought like, oh, maybe it's the Cowboys year. But uh, it was, to me, it was just another another disappointing year for a bunch of for a, a lot of potential for a good team that. Just sucks for the Cowboys. Mm. I'm so done with this. I want them. <laughs> but once again, as a Giants fan, I'm happy to see the Cowboys lose. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. I think Brian. I think. I think they need a, a total rebrand from the bottom up because I feel the pain for fans that can't really identify with a team's culture. I really feel that. No, like literally, I'm I'm fully for a rebuild right now. I'm not even kidding. I'm fully for a rebuild and trade Dak Prescott. Trade a bunch, keep CD lamb trade, trade Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and just get draft picks and rebuild and go off the defense and try to build a team like Denver. Because at this point it's nothing's going to change. And I lost all respect for Dak Prescott after he made the comments about throwing trash at, at, at refs. You didn't lose the game because of anything like that. You lost the game because you didn't realize that you can't run fast anymore after your ankle injury. And you <laughs> thought that you were going to get somewhere in 10 seconds, a lot quicker. And I'm sorry, but that's the truth. And I think the thing that has really hamstrung this organization is they get really tied in and overpay for contracts after one good year. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Elliott, like, you know, year after year, these guys, they have a great year and and the organization falls in love with them and, and, you know, basically puts an arm around them like their family. And they get completely blinded to the fact that these guys play for contracts. You need to, you know, treat them as employees within an organization. And they don't really have that mindset that they should. I think that I'm all for rebuild in the most holistic sense for any Cowboys fan, even if I hate the Cowboys, because that division is so bad that even a two, three year rebuild is completely possible where you could go from four to one like that. Literally, like we could literally rebuild the offense right now. Like we need to rebuild the offensive line. That's the number one draft thing. And we need to just start picking. We need, we need smarter players, not, not the physically gifted ones. I like, I want a Hunter Renfro. I don't need an Amari Cooper or a CD lamb. I want the guy that's going to get me six, eight catches for 60 yards. Give me his all and no, you know, situational football. Micah Parsons. Yeah, literally Micah Parsons, a well, well-disciplined athlete and a student of the game. And that's why he's succeeding. Not because he's all lavish and talks and, you know, he just, you know, stuns you away with plays. He does, but that's not the main priority. Yep. And did have a good first game for a rookie. And then, you know, the funny about Michael Parsons, the first player I saw on Twitter said, hey, guys, vote for me for rookie of the year or something. <laughs> what was that? Did you see that tweet? He literally said it, vote for me. He's campaigning. Oh, man. So a lot of passion from this. I appreciate it. So we also had the Chiefs and the Steelers play. 42 to 21, a blowout as expected. Brian, uh, Sadly, I hope you didn't bet the money line on this. Never. It was uh, the Chiefs game from the start. The uh, Patrick Mahomes was insane, you know, 30 for 39 with 404 yards and another five touchdown game for him. The rushing game was pretty stellar. Um, it looks like McKinnon's now the guy. You don't have to worry about um, Clyde being out at this point. I think that running game could be trusted with McKinnon. I think he made a stellar point in this game with that. You know, Big Ben did play pretty solid. Definitely not bad. You know, 
above average at 29 to 44 and 215 yards with two touchdowns, but a lack of running game, especially Najee Harris, I think, um, you know, kind of showing his uh, strides that he's definitely a boomer bust. And then the bus is really bad. And yeah, what could, what could we say? We knew that the chiefs are um, pretty much the chiefs again. Kelsey played well, uh, Tyreek Hill again. And uh, you know, when they play Buffalo on this week, this weekend, it's going to be really fun to see this all come together. Does anyone have any, anything to comment with the chiefs and the Steelers besides peace out, big Ben. Yeah, so exactly yeah. nothing, nothing much. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like with the Philly Bucks game. It's kind of pretty much what it, what I expected. Um, I think that um, a lot of the three and outs for Pittsburgh early on really took them out of the game. I thought that the only way they're going to stay in it is if they at least come away with three every possession, just to kind of stifle Kansas City's offense. But they had no answer for Kelsey. He had a huge night. Um, uh, you know, five for 108 and a touchdown. Um, and they had five receivers over 40 plus yards. So they were really spreading it around, kind of getting anything they wanted. Um, I thought their only chance was to kind of get pressure with four with TJ Watt. But, um, you know, Mahomes looked comfortable in the pocket. He was getting the ball out all night. And, um, yeah, you know, peace to Big Ben. It just, it sucks because all year, I think that he really didn't have the O-line to support him. I think losing Villanueva in the offseason was a huge loss. Um, and then having Pouncey retire, um, the defense just gave up too much and, um, you know, three touchdowns before the second half. And uh, I think it was pretty much over before halftime. Yeah, dude. Not, there's not really much to add besides that. So on with the Chiefs. And the final game, the Monday night game, the one that had the final Manning cast. And the one that uh, was a really bad day to be named Kyler Murray. So at a final score of 34 to 11, the L.A. Rams take it and uh, secure their spot in the divisional round. Some things to note here that the Rams are really hot now. If, if everything goes in the right direction for this football team, they're going to win. They're going to destroy you on defense. They're going to score a lot of points. And I mean, how about that? Both sides of the ball, stellar Von Miller. I think finally had a uh, his real big breakout game for this team, and a good time to have it. Odell Beckham Jr. showing some old strides and uh, showing off that arm there, a forty-yard pass in this game. And Matt Stafford, though a relatively easy going day, at only going for thir- thirteen or fourteen, but you know, with the quarterback rating of one fifty-four, anybody will take that. And uh, I mean, also the LA Rams rushing game—you got three solid dudes that you can trust running this ball, whether it was Sony Michelle or Cam Akers. And um, if even if you could fit Henderson in there, he's shown that he could be good with the ball in his hands. I think this, uh, this can be what peak LA Rams football does. And as I said, awful day for Kyler Murray. People are saying you might as well join the MLB after this one bad game, but Hey, it is only one bad game, but you know, when the team only has 18, only, uh, you know, when the team, you know, really sucks and it's bad and you also don't have DeAndre Hopkins, he was sorely missed in this game. It was a real mess for them. You know, Christian Kirk was the highest, you know, had the highest reception yards at only 51 and only six receptions. So tough, 
tough pill to swallow for a team that was undefeated on the road coming into this game. So, yeah, the Rams, I don't know. I think it was going to be a little closer than it wound up being. But, um, yeah, what a day to be an L.A. Ram fan. What do you guys think take out of this game? I'll go quick. I didn't get to watch the game, but I, all I got to say is kudos to Cam Akers, who went off for 17 carries for 55 yards and one catch for 40 yards after, I think, five, six months after a torn Achilles. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of dedication, and I absolutely applaud him for – you know, that work ethic. And, you know, I, I hope to see him actually thrive and continue in the league because someone who could put those numbers up after five, six months with an, an injury like that usually could, you know, be almost career ending just for a running back with speed. Um, you know, they have a lot of promise in that backfield and, you know, it's going to really help Stafford as they continue in the playoffs. Ooh. All right. What the, uh, what the Rams did on uh, the win Monday night is what they're going to have to do to win for the, the remainder of the season is uh, what they did is put, uh, have all their best players ball out. Like you saw uh, they got the ball to Odell, uh, Cooper Cup scored, uh, Stafford didn't throw any picks, Vaughn and Aaron Donald. Uh, well, Vaughn had, what, two sacks? Some, he had a sack. Yeah. A sack. Like, that's what they're going to need to uh, if they want to stay in, stay in and uh, continue to win is that's what they're going to need to do is have their best players ball out like how they did. And to add that three tackles for losses too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of echo what you guys said, I mean, Rams look dominant on um, Stafford had zero turnovers. That was really the, the stat line for me for the game. Um, you know, besides that, he was really just managing. He only had 17 attempts with 202 and two touchdowns. Um, between Missoni, Michelle and Akers, they really controlled the, you know, the running game. They kept the clock under control uh, 110 on the ground. And then, you know, Cooper Cup and OBJ just being a tandem, you know, he was able to kind of hit those guys in stride and, and keep the defense um, on their toes the entire night. But um, I, I think, you know, having all five receivers over 40-plus, kind of the same way Kansas City did, um, it's going to keep any defense confused. And I feel like that's going to carry over into their matchup against uh, Tampa Bay, knowing that they have holes in the secondary um, as well. But – it's kind of exactly what I expected and predicted from um, from the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler looked terrible. He had two two interceptions, nineteen of thirty four, um, and and early on it looked like the, the decision making from Cliff Kingsbury. It looked like the moment was too big for him and Kyler in their first game in the playoffs. It just looked like it was one year too early. Um, I knew that they were going to have a breakout year from the beginning of the season in terms of win total, and it definitely. Um, you know, came as predicted for me, but I just thought that once they hit the playoffs, it was going to be a little too much on that stage. And it's always difficult when you're playing a team for the third time in one season, because you don't, you know, the team so well. So usually the, the, the more veteran team, the more veteran coaching staff, like, you know, McVay and, and that organization, they were going to be um, more prepared for this game. Solid. And also, how about Eric Weddle coming out of retirement and even seeing the field a couple of times, just signing the practice squad. And hey, I mean, he didn't record a set, single stat, but hey, it was still cool to yeah. see. <laughs> and I think I, I think this game would have looked a little different, too, if um, Arizona had DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, big miss. So and basically, do we panic on Kyler Murray yet? I mean, I was kind of surprised to see some of the criticism. I mean, there's some people who would say 
man, he doesn't have it. Even just after one bad playoff game, like I said, undefeated on the road coming into this game. And it just, you don't win playoff games when everybody has a bad day. Yeah. No, he didn't have the support from, from the, you know, the opening kickoff. I think it's too early, way too early to panic on Kyler. I think he definitely um, outshined expectations at the beginning of the season and uh, they'll be fine. My, my bigger concern is just um, the, the playmaking, you know, the play calling ability from Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's more on the hot seat than anything. All right. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Same here. Alex said it perfectly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, let's see where this lies. So that concludes our Super Wildcard Weekend coverage. Now let's talk about the best weekend in football. Divisional weekend, four matchups, all have in crazy, interesting, deep, thoughtful, and thought-provoking storylines to them. So why don't we first start with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. They're going to play on Saturday at 4.30. Right now, the line is set at the Titans at three-and-a-half-point favorites. Now, for a first-place team that some people think, yeah, this is the number one team in the NFC. Some people say this team is fluky. But yet, even after major injuries throughout, especially on the skill positions, the Titans just kept winning and just kept winning and winning and winning. So, and the other thing here, the Titans, there's a lot of speculation that Derrick Henry will make his return to the starting lineup. Again, probably find out if that's officially takes place in the next couple of days. But I think, I think you could win this game without Derrick Henry, but I don't think you can uh, exactly win the AFC championship if you uh, don't have him in there. But, you know, this Cincinnati Bengals team is very hot. I mean, winning their first playoff game in over 30 years. Joe Burrow, each game makes you realize that, yeah, this guy is going to be a 15-year Pro Bowl, all-pro player. And then, you know, as long as you have Mixon um, running on the ground and then Jamar Chase is healthy, I think this is going to be a good game for a uh, difficult um, challenge in the ten, Tennessee Titans. What do you guys think coming into this game? Who do you think has the edge? I take the Bengals right now. Um, I just don't see them winning without Derrick Henry just because of the um, scheme in which I think the Bengals will actually throw um, on their like defensive line standpoint at the Titans. Um, I just don't think their offensive line has done as good as years past. And the Bengals have a ton of ability to, you know, create pressure with, uh, uh, I think his name is Henriksen and like Hubbard. Um, and they have a lot of guys in that, uh, you know, front four that can really get pressure on the quarterback. So I think if Derrick Henry isn't there to balance it off, it's going to be a lot on Tannehill. I don't know if he's built to do that right now. After a very shaky season where, you know, he has he had a lot of uh, highest interceptions and in, I think like three, four seasons right now. Um, mm-hmm. Low, low TD, the interception ratio. I just don't see it uh, really progressing. And I think the Bengals have hit their stride and in Burrow, we trust. And Burrow, we trust. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's my team now with with Dallas out. <laughs> Cincinnati. What are you thinking, Tommy? Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with Brian. Um, the Bengals are getting hot at the right moment for them. Um, and I don't, 
I don't know, uh, Henry or not, I'll still have the Bengals winning. Um, definitely, I, obviously, uh, Derek Henry's been out the whole season, so they're not going to have the same uh, game plan that they usually have with a with a starting with a healthy Derrick Henry. They're probably not going to give him the ball a bunch of times as as what he as what they did. Mm-hmm. So I have Joe Burrow uh, coming in this one uh, and upsetting uh, the Titans and winning and the Bengals winning. Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm actually gonna take Tennessee in this one. I think that they're well, they're well rested, they're healthy. They know what Cincinnati wants to do right out of the gate. They want to go to Jamar Chase. They want to con- control the running game. Um, I think it's pretty clear cut what what their advantages are, what their strengths are, where they want to go with the football. Um, but I think for Tennessee, you know, obviously, of course, the elephant in the room is Derrick Henry. I know today, um, as of late, he was cleared for um, contact practice. So he's he's going to be, um, you know, evaluated throughout the week. So that obviously that's a huge caveat to my pick. But um, even regardless of that, I think, um, you know, if you look at Tannehill the past few years, whether it was um, uh, what's his name up in Green Bay? Um the floor, whether it was LaFleur at the offensive coordinator or Arthur Smith, they always have a game plan and a scheme that fits Tannehill to make him most comfortable and, and best equipped for, um, for the game, for the game plan. That way he's not um, too overwhelmed. And I think that that's going to continue for him in this game. I think they're going to get the ball out of his hands quick. It's going to be a lot of screen option stuff, um, not allowing guys to get pressure and uh, collapse the, the pocket. So I'm actually going to take the Titans in this one. All right. Okay. We'll see that nice split down the middle there. Now the biggest spread coming into this weekend and a game that I do think is entertaining. And I saw a report that the weather in this particular place could be compared to some of the coldest games in NFL history. We have the 49ers going down on the road again, heading down to green Bay, Wisconsin to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So, uh, the 49ers made some big moves defeating Dallas in Dallas. Can they do the same in Green Bay? You know, as we talked about, the Packers have rejuvenated life again. Aaron Rodgers is ready. Bakhtiari's back on the offensive line. You know, as long as you have Devontae Adams out there and you have people like Lazard and, you know, and, you know, say Brown out there, can they, can they compete? Can they score more? Can Jimmy G come keep using his winning ways with the rise of Samuel out here? I think Mitchell's an underrated aspect of their offense. Where do we see this going? Who's going to take it out in green Bay on a Saturday night? I think if Fred Warner is healthy, I think the 49ers could have the chance to upset the Packers. And I think that's just the trend in the last few years that the 49ers have had the Packers number. Um, If you remember, they beat them to then go on to the Super Bowl and play the Chiefs. Um, I think that the key to the game for the 49ers would be to do it a little bit different, but similar to what they did with Dallas is got to control the ball, got to run the ball because they have Mitchell and Debo Samuel now being that wide receiver running back Mm -hmm. number one, right? Um, He's that flex kind of position. Got to try to get 150 yards rushing, and you got to force Jimmy G to not have to put the game in his hands. I want Jimmy G in this game to only throw the ball max 20 times, and I want them to just run the ball, 
It's going to be cold. It might be windy. And just give as little time as possible to Aaron Rodgers. And I also think Green Bay's been pretty much in stride for the entire season. They really haven't had a big hiccup yet. So I could see them Mm -hmm. easily having that big hiccup now. At least with Aaron Rodgers on the field, the only little hiccup was that Chiefs game. But Jordan Love showed that he needs more time. (laughs) But you're right. Maybe the Packers are due. And, um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is the most talked about. feels like he's the most talked about person in America nowadays. So can he uh, block out all his uh, haters and admirers? And can he bring another win and get back to this would be, I think, his sixth NFC championship since the Super Bowl down in um in 2010. So can he finally get back into to get another shot at it? Tommy, you got a nice smirk on your face. What are you thinking? No, I said it last week. I'm I'm gonna say it again. It's the Packers, it's third times at Sean for them being in their third state, third straight NFC championship. So it's their it's their game to lose. They're going into Rogers' playground in negative whatever degree weather. Uh, the 49ers are coming in. Jimmy G's coming in with a with a uh, an injured uh, throwing hands. Yes. So the weather with the weather being horrible, I they're definitely not going to re- hope to rely on uh, Jimmy G throwing. But uh, if the 49ers are going to win. The only chance is uh, through the run game. Hmm. Yeah, kind of same, you know, I'm kind of along the same lines as uh, you guys. I think the only chance for the 49ers is to really establish that running game. Um, Debo Samuel is going to be the key to the game. Um, if he can have more than 120 purpose yard, all-purpose yards, you know, through the passing game and on the ground, um, it's going to keep this defense on its toes. But I think it's cookie cutter for the Packers to win, um, kind of going away, actually. Um I think the the only reason the 49ers Dallas game kept uh, so close to me was um, well, well, obviously because of Jimmy G's you know um, shortcomings in the second half. But um, I think for them, the only way they're going to stay close in this one with the Packers is if they keep getting at least three points out of the drives, the kind of the way they did with that da- uh, against Dallas, um, just to keep you know things honest with the Packers. Um, as much time as they can keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, that's the only way that they're going to keep it close. But um, I expect Green Bay to win pretty pretty nicely. All right. Love the energy coming out of here. Now, let's focus on this game. At a three-point spread with the Rams and the Buccaneers. Rams are going down to Tampa. The uh, spread is the, is that the Bucks are three-point favorite. Like I said, for two teams that have nothing but momentum on both of their sides, it could be a war of attrition. Can Tom Brady beat the Rams once again? They are a much improved team compared to the to the NFC Championship team they were two years ago. Again, on both sides of the ball. In fact, I think every aspect, they are so much better. Obviously, you take Odell Beckham over Brandon Cook's. Cooper Cup's the mainstay, and he's only gotten better since then. He was just a regular slot receiver like Cole Beasley, and now he can be the MVP, arguably. Aaron Donald has more of the, that scary pass rush on that squad with him. And um, obviously, Jalen Ramsey wasn't on that Super Bowl team, and now he is on the Rams now. So um, 
But is Tom Brady be Tom Brady in this magic? He has a home field advantage. Everybody's healthy. You might even see Leonard Fournette make a return, and that's pretty huge. And again, you know, who knows where Tom Brady, I think his contract does end after this season. Wouldn't it be uh, poetic if this was it for him? I don't know. I thought it's been interesting. Not a lot of people have, you know, been talking about that, but hey, um, they're just going to let it ride. This would be a tough team to beat, but I guess, you know, just another reason why Tom Brady would be the GOAT if he made it to another conference championship. Ah, what's the number? It has to be like 15 at this point. Um, but this is definitely a legit challenge, I would say. So what, what do you guys say um, when it comes to this game? By the way, it is uh, – uh, I'll get the I'll get the record really quick, but tell me about. Oh, by the way, it's thirteen conference championships game. So if he wins it, this would be, uh, it would be his tenth victory. So, geez, ten Super Bowls. But anyways, what do we think about Bucks and the Rams? I think the Rams have a good shot at beating them right now, just because of the fact that um, the offensive line might be banged up and Brady, Brady and pressure isn't good. Um, I'm being under duress, especially being even less mobile now as he ages, you know, you have, I would say three of the best, uh, you probably like three of the best, you know, top uh, D line in the league and Von Miller, Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, that pass rush right there is going to control the game. Cause right now the Rams have a better offensive weapons than the Bucks right now just because of injury. They got the better running backs right now. I think they have Le'Veon Bell and Keyshawn Vaughn, who I didn't even know existed <laughs> until a couple of weeks ago on fantasy. So it's going to come down at Brady trying to make miracle plays. And when you got a guy like Jalen Ramsey, who's now going to try to lock up, you know, Mike Evans, really all you got now is Gronk. And you have a few other like Scotty Miller and, you know, maybe they'll have to rely more on if, if Fournette's healthy in the, in the passing game and stuff like that. So yeah, I think they really miss Godwin on a game like this. Yeah. Very, very. Cameron Brady to have a big game. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's going to, I think it's going to be close. I can, I can even see this as one of those, um, like the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, like a 13 and three kind of game. I could see being really, really close just because mm-hmm. of, um, the, the defense is stepping up, having to step up because it's a big responsibility. They're both playing great offenses. So I have a feeling it's going to be a game of the, of defense really. And I could see it being like a very low scoring game. Yeah. I, I kind of see the same, the same result. Um, like a re- a really high, high intense defense, defensive matchup. Um, I think they're, they're the, Couple keys to both 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 teams here. I think Stafford needs to play another conservative game, maybe nothing more than 25, 30 passes for the game tops, but he's gonna have to play a conservative game, really balance it with the run game um throughout the entire night. I think if they do line up with each other, I think Ramsey and Evans is a huge matchup potentially um throughout the night. And I think for for the Bucks on their side of the ball, I think um Brady's going to have to uh, approach this game, you know, with a running back by committee mentality, of course, you know, with Rojo and um, with uh, Lenny being, being uh, questionable for, for that game. But uh, I think that the screen game, getting the ball out quick is going to have to be a big part of this recipe because I'm not sure how strong they are beyond their front four, um, you know, at, 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 at their, uh, at their free safety positions, and I think that depending on where they line up Shaq Barrett, I think 
Shaq Barrett and Andrew Whitworth is going to be a matchup to see as well, seeing if they can generate pressure on Stafford to collapse the pocket. I think I expect Brady to be kind of under duress all night, and I think it's going to be some somewhere around like a third, like a thirteen ten kind of game. Let's get it. What do you say, Tommy? I, I don't know. I'm kind of. I really don't know yet. Um, I just have a feeling that the uh, the Bucks are going to win by three. Um, but I, I don't know how. Uh, it's just I don't know how they're going to do it. I just have I just have a feeling that they're going to win. And yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. We'll, we'll see how weather. We'll see how weather plays a factor too, because it could be a really like warm, wet, rainy night too, depending on what the weather situation is. And you know, with with the Rams playing indoor all year long, they may not be adjusted for that. I mean, when they went up to Green Bay in really cold weather last year, they weren't really prepared either. And um, so we'll see if that has the same effect. Yeah, here we go. Currently at the moment, they expect it to be 64 degrees and partly cloudy. But, you know, anything can change. Yeah. Maybe it's too nice outside. (laughs) That's always the problem in Florida. (laughs) And now this, the final game on a Sunday night, a rematch of the AFC Championship from last year. The Buffalo Bills are going back to Kansas City. And, yeah, as I said, similarly to um, the Rams, the Rams coming back to play Tom Brady after two years now, this team is much more improved in the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen can't have any more momentum. Again, above average season, but could have done better. But so far in the playoffs, he's been killing it. Stephon Diggs having a stellar season. And, you know, this Bills defense is one scary defense, especially on the, um, you know, especially on their rushing defense as well as pretty, pretty stellar right there. But um, the Kansas city chiefs though, as we mentioned, when things click like they did against Pittsburgh, no one could stop them, especially if Patrick Mahomes has room again. The one thing he needs is that protection protection is still lock and step. So um, for two quarterbacks who both had five touchdowns the previous week, can they repeat it again? Who do we see winning the rematch of last year's AFC championship? Oh, um, I got bills. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, they, the bills are coming in pissed because last year, they lost to the or was it last year or the yeah year last before? season yeah last year they lost to um the Chiefs in the AFC Championship and it was funny I was talking to my friend today and he sent me the video of, it was actually a year ago today of when Stephon Diggs uh mm-hmm. after uh the loss and watched the AFC Championship ceremony you know I saw that I was like oh my god that's right like they they lost them last year like I have all I have all signs pointing that the Bills are gonna win Josh Allen's coming off hot and uh like I said the Bills are coming in and piss this game that they're just gonna one of those games where just getting go to a revenge on the team they lost to. The Friday night lights moment right here. Yeah. Stefan Diggs the movie. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brian? Who do you think is gonna be taking this game? 
I think it's going to be the Chiefs. Um, I just think that the Bills, they're close. I just don't, don't think they're ready yet. Um, I don't think their really? defense, I just don't think they're secondary, even though, you know, the top safeties, Jordan Foyer and Micah Hart are fantastic. You know, Trey White's, I believe, still out. I think he, mm-hmm. he yeah, he's out. Yeah, he's done for the season. So I think it's going to be very hard for them um, when they're a more run defense run 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 stopping defense when you're playing a team that is not really key on the run so their best ability on defense is not needed in this game because you have an injured Hilaire and you just have McKinnon who's more of a scat back that's going to be in the screen game so it's going to be more Matt Milano and the linebackers making plays when this is going to be a passing game where you have I would say there are six receivers on their team all the way going down to Josh Gordon at like the age of like, you know, 35 at mm-hmm. this point could all be quality starting receivers on any other team. Their tight end is either one or two in the, uh, in the league every year. Um, and it is Patrick Mahomes. So I just don't think, I think it's going to be close, but I just don't know. It's going to be one of those games where the bills could just keep on holding on, holding on, but there's going to come that breaking point like a 50-yard bomb to Tyree Kill over the shoulder in the end zone, that's just going to blow it wide open and the, the morale is going to drop. That's what I say. Yeah, I it's going to be a very close game. Big place. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that there's a potential that the Bills can keep it close if they can control the running game um, and, you know, keep the Spagnuolo's defense constantly on the field, kind of wear them down throughout the game. Um I got the Chiefs winning a tight game too. I think that the Bills are just a little too Josh Allen centric. I, I think that um, he's he's going to have to have like an MVP performance type of game um, to will this team, you know, to the AFC Championship game. But I think that the biggest weakness in their defense is that second level with Poyer and Mike Hyde. I think Kelsey's going to tear him apart. I think he's probably going to have a big game, like 10, 11 catches for a buck twenty, buck thirty, maybe a touchdown or two. Um, that's kind of how I see this thing playing out. And uh, the biggest advantage for Buffalo in the past has been the weather and the location. And that gets reduced when you go to Kansas City on the road and that stadium is so loud. So um, we'll see how they handle the, you know, how they handle the crowd and whatnot. But um, I got the Chiefs in a tight one. All right. What can I say? This is going to be an amazing weekend of football. Thank you for breaking it down with me again, gentlemen. We have the great Brian McKeon, Tommy Brown, Alex Ranelio. We're going to do this once again next week. We'll meet up on Monday, and that means we're going to be releasing it to you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, on Tuesday. So we'll be back on Tuesday to break down these four matchups and then preview the other amazing weekend of football ahead in Conference Championship Sunday. So again, Brian, Tommy, and Alex, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you next week. You enjoy the football and stay safe this weekend, gentlemen. Uh, Yes, Alex, Tommy, and Brian, you know what I have to say. Great job again, gentlemen, and can't wait to talk about the conference championships next week with you guys. Nothing but stellar talent around me, and I'm so lucky and fortunate to be around it. So see you guys next week. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media 
We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdComboPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So yes, as we continue the month of January, where it's nothing but exclusive NFL postseason coverage, we're back here on Tuesday to break down what took place this upcoming weekend, and then we'll look forward to the conference championship games conference championship sunday one of the best damn days of the year for a true stellar football fan i mean anyone who likes competition and stuff like that it's a good time so conference championship weekend next week and we're gonna break down and preview that on tuesday so again back on tuesday and i can't wait to see you all there so enjoy the rest of your week be safe If you're up in the freezing cold weather as we're right in the smack middle of this insane season known as the winter, bundle up, be safe, and make sure you don't catch anything and be responsible. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family, and I'll see you all on Tuesday. I love each and every one of you, and remember, none of this is possible without the greatest listeners and fans in the world. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll see you on Tuesday. Love you all. Peace. All she needed was some...